Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's been an interesting market uh, trading session that we saw on a Friday. Of course, there was the talk of another set of exports coming in. So I think it was like the ninth day in a row that we've seen some sort of export talk. How's it affecting the soybeans? Are they just giving up and saying we're going to go to the negative because it's old news? We know tensions have continued to build with U.S. and China, that tit for tat. But exports still happen. And, of course, weather's been kind of a non-factor at this point, which, knock on wood, we'll take that right now. Although we would like to see moisture in some areas that have definitely missed out. We're going to get all the details today with Sam Hudson. He is with Corn Belt Marketing. And, Sam, let's start out that tensions with U.S. and China. That tit-for-tat they've had, we're going to close a consulate, they close a consulate. Now let's just move forward. Yeah, and I think this is viewed as something that, uh, you know, could certainly be detrimental to trade, obviously. But I, in my opinion, I think it's, it's more so on the forward curve. If we look at how much China's already purchased from South America here uh, moving forward, why wouldn't they try to, you know, scoop up some pretty relatively cheap supplies um, and at least hang on to those supplies or those commitments anyways until we get into next year? Uh, if they decide that they still aren't, you know, excited about relations at that point and South America has a crop, then that's a, a time frame that uh, – offers a lot more risk for, for export cancellations. So for now, I think we see this continue. Uh, as you mentioned, they, ch- they closed the consulate after we did. You know, Again, tit for tat. Uh, hopefully we can move on. Uh, trade wasn't really discussed in it. I know Trump has said the phase one hasn't mattered to him, but I don't know if it mattered to China to begin with either. Uh, good point. Now, looking at those export numbers that have come in, did it surprise you that we've seen such consistency this entire week? You're not really. I mean, you know, everyone wants to see, you know, big, you know, one-time purchases, and I don't think that's what we should expect. I don't think China's going to want to price themselves out of the market. Uh, so this, you know, slow, steady, and but consistent string of sales, I think, is really what we prefer to see anyways. And, you know, it may not uh, give the market instant gratification now, but if this stacks up over the next three to four, you know, five, six months, get past the election, um, then all of a sudden, you know, we may have a little bit more on our hands. And I think what it's going to result in, though, is, is potentially letting the market base for a period of time uh, and then see what things look like going into 2021 after an election did it seem like to on a friday the beans just kind of gave up the fight though i mean we still stayed at that nine dollar range but there just wasn't a lot of fire under them well, it did a little bit, but keep in mind we had option expiration today, and you also, ha- you know, this is the first weekend we're going into where we really haven't had a weather story. You know, even last weekend there was just still a little bit of buzz and some chatter, but everywhere's pretty much had around a rainfall. Realize there's going to be some dry pockets in there, but we have that every year, and I think by and large we have to expect uh, crop ratings to remain steady or even a little bit better going into next week. And you know, you start to quiet down, and this is the time of year where demand can start to steer the ship a little bit more. Realize there's still going to be a, a debate about yield, but that debate is going to continue. You know, about the yield is going to continually hone in on a number, you know, probably pretty difficult to argue anything under 175 at this point. And, and over 180, I think you can maybe make that argument, but I don't think anyone's going to make it in confidence today. Well, since we're, we're kind of wrapping up, we've got one week left in the month of July. We hit August, and that seems to be the, the kind of the detrimental part for soybeans, early pod filling coming along. So, so weather, maybe for them, will start to pick up some attention? I think so, and, and some of these forecasts are actually starting to dry out a little bit more into August, but temperatures look pretty pretty mild, so I think with what we've had, probably difficult to even get much concern in these markets about weather for at least another week, maybe two, um, and August is going to give the USDA their first chance at making any sort of a yield adjustment. I kind of, uh, you know, tend to side with the fact that they may punt again. Any adjustment in corn, you know, a bushel or less, isn't going to have a real big impact at this point anyways. Uh, but keep in mind, in beans, if we start to see that yield go up, that makes a pretty, you know, big impact on the carryout, or, or down for that matter here moving forward. 
Is there going to be any pressure out of South America as they watch what's been happening with all these purchases coming from China? And we had uh, heard talks earlier in the week that their Chinese reserves might be a lot lower than we thought. So are we going to see some pressure there? Yeah, I, I think we could. Uh, you know, again, I reference how much that uh, you know China's already booked from Brazil. You know, moving forward here, and you know, I just feel like there's not a lot of room for error at this point. If they're going to be whether they're rebuilding their reserves or not, uh, they continue to auction corn uh, corn on their uh, uh, China continues to auction corn on their state reserves at, at a really rapid pace and keep pace. And keep in mind those prices are you know around seven dollars a bushel. So. Uh, you know, there, there's still some fodder out here to, to get optimistic, but again, I don't think it's all going to come in one wave, and the politics in between are going to continue. The dollar saw some weakness. How's that going to affect? Uh, I, I think it's going to affect your wheat market, you know, more than anything, first off, uh, because, there, you know, there's more areas around the world that trades and can impact, you know, just the price of that commodity a little bit more uh, prevalently. But keep in mind, uh, it's going to help corn and beans, too, but we also have to keep in mind that uh, South American currencies haven't really been on the rise either. So we have to look at the dollar on its own, you know, measured against a basket of other currencies and then on their own as well uh, when we consider who our competition is. Especially when it's the Black Sea region. I mean, we're they're winning way more than we are when it comes to any purchases. Yeah, and, and, and they've really expanded acreage. I think that's going to continue. They've, they've struggled with some production here the last couple of years as well, in addition to Australia. If they can mend their weather uh, you know, patterns here in the years ahead, I, I think it's going to keep the status quo. But for now, I think we've curtailed just enough production out of the EU this year and the Black Sea region and Australia over the last three years with the drought situation that we finally found a little bit of support uh, in our wheat market. And you look at the pricing structure today, and it begs the question of uh, you know whether or not we'll pull some more corn acres know out of the equation next year if we keep this look and the harvest talk here in the states as it continues to head north has just kind of become a non-event yeah kind of a non-event and and you know the the yield and, and production i think is going to impact basis values uh as much as anything here um you know from a pricing standpoint i don't think the u.s yields matter a whole lot just because of uh, of the way the world uh, trade and dynamic is right now any surprise though that a friday turned into a kind of a doldrum type of trade day for these grains well, like I said, without weather to really talk about here too much, and in fact, you had option expiration going on, um, there's really just not a, a lot of volume to push things around, we, and that was evident pretty well most of the week. A lot of the algorithmic traders have kind of backed away from the markets, and uh, liquidity just hasn't been quite as high. I think that's going to change as you get into August and we get towards this next crop report. And boring's good, at least until the next crop report, right? that's right well stick around folks we come back we're going to talk about ethanol and we know that there's been another drop when it comes to demand how much of that is related to COVID-19 we're mid-summer this is usually when we see folks out doing those family vacations stick around a lot more is coming up it's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Sam Hudson. He's with Corn Belt Marketing. And before we left, you know, it is summer. We've got folks normally, and I use quotations under the word normal, Sam, summertime, we have a lot of folks out on the roads traveling for family vacations. Mm-hmm. That seems to have been pulled back once again as we see a dip in the ethanol. Yeah, it is. But, you know, keep in mind, we're seeing a dip in the, a little bit of a dip in the production, but we're also seeing stocks at the lowest levels that we've seen since 2017. So there's some good and some bad in here. You know, the bad is that uh, from a production standpoint, I don't see us getting back to, you know, what we'd call 100% of normal, what we saw before March. 
I think it's going to take some time, probably until after harvest, that you could see some consolidation in this industry, too, which wouldn't be the worst thing. Uh, But in the meantime, if we continue to draw those stocks down, I think regardless of what our fuel usage looks like week to week, uh, you're going to continually see, you know, margins underpinned, you know, as good or bad as those could be. So I I think that's helpful going into, you know, harvest where at least ethanol's up and going. I think if you had a, you know, a replay of what we saw in March, April, that would be a disaster. So just expect that we're going to see less usage on the forward curve, and there could be some room for USDA to cut that out here moving forward. Uh, if we started exporting ethanol, it would be a completely different look, but uh, that's yet to be seen. Looking now to the livestock side of the trade, the cattle market, we know that they had kind of a mixed type of market trade today. What are you hearing, or, or what are the thoughts when it comes to, to protein demands, not only for obviously the cattle, but for the hogs, as we're seeing more restaurants that had just reopened starting to close once again? Well, I think that's what's going to provide a little bit of pessimism, or, or maybe I should say cautiousness here in these back months. And we've been seeing that, you know, even as this recovery has been going, uh, you know, you look at cash values and then look at the back month prices and think, wow, those are just undervalued. But there's all this uncertainty about where we're going to be. Are we going to be shutting down again? Are we not? Where will we be when, you know, cold and flu season approaches? Uh, up until now, it's, it's been, you know, a, a decent look, though. If you look at, uh, I think the June beef cow kill uh, was the most we'd seen in like nine years. So we're, we're definitely, you know, replacing uh, and replacing stuff in the supply chain right now. Uh, but everything's had to normalize ever since March and April. And I think it boasts probably a continuation of a range bound market until we just have more certainty all the way around. The wholesale box beef prices were kind of mixed. We've seen, um, you know, obviously a continued drop in that. What are your thoughts on the way the spread has been? I think the spread was like 953. Yeah, and I, and I think we could see that remain relatively steady and stable in here. I think it's going to be kind of a range-bound trade in that as well. Uh, and what we're looking for, I think, is, is maybe some sort of a short-term seasonal top. I think the, ca- the bottom in the cash market, I think, has more or less been confirmed, but it's just a function of how far can the spot markets go. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on, too, is the export side of things. If we continue to see big beef exports like we've been seeing, um, or, or at least see that continue or continually rise, that's going to also help underpin these values for moving forward. Are we going to get catch-up taking place in, in these meatpacking facilities for both cattle and hogs? Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, you also have to wonder what kind of changes we could see moving forward. It's been a lot you know, not so much in the headlines here of late, but uh, you wonder when you go through something like this, what kind of changes are going to be implemented, what, which ones will be here to stick around, which ones are going to be there to benefit, uh, and who's it going to benefit. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds and to see if the, anything more comes out of, you know, some of the havoc that we saw earlier this year. Is there some pre-weekend profit-taking going on for the hogs? <laughs> Uh, I think you have to expect that there's some, but I, I don't know how far that's going to go here. I mean, when you look at the League Hog Index, we, we've been looking for some sort of a bottom around 45. It looks like we've made that and kind of turned up in a pretty abrupt way here, back to almost 50 on the index. And if you can get back to 55 plus, uh, I think it boasts you know, some pretty good optimism here where we could be into the third and fourth quarter. And I think the dips are going to be relatively shallow here in these back months in the meantime. All right, we've got, like you mentioned in the first half, really non-event with weather, really non-event going on when it comes to movement of, of the proteins. So what do we focus on from a grain and livestock perspective as we head into next week and the last week of July? 
Well, I think it's all about demand. I, I think it's going to continue to drive the ship. I don't think anyone, we can argue production all day long, but I don't think you can argue, argue such an extreme uh, now that we've gotten through probably what would have been the riskiest time of the year, uh, highest water usage for a lot of these plants as well. So as long as we aren't going to go scorching hot and dry in August, I think we have to expect that those yield models are going to you know, remain pretty steady near trend. Uh, if we see any abrupt movements they, you know, or just a continued good weather, uh, we could start to see those yields grind higher. But I don't think you're going to be looking at any major adjustments, at least until September anyways. So uh, you know, this demand data and, and what we're seeing out of China is really going to hold a lot of weight in the short term. And things to think about, obviously, is if they haven't marketed that new crop yet, they better, better be thinking about and having those conversations. Got to be thinking about it. You got to know where you're standing on insurance. Uh, but the merchandising side of it, I think, is the biggest thing, too, going into harvest here. You know, we mentioned that production on ethanol side isn't going to be going back to 100% where we saw it before. Uh, you know, so these plants aren't going to be taking, you know, probably as much corn as what we normally see them in harvest. And you got to, you know, keep in mind what that's going to mean for you uh, from a logistical standpoint, from a basis standpoint. Uh, and if we see some of these bids firm up ahead of harvest because no one's selling, uh, one needs to be ready to take advantage of that. All right. Sounds good, Sam. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbillmarketing.com. All right, Sam Hudson joins us. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss. They're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check this out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe for your free podcast, and it's on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.